Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning again. Good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, so you're listening to Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen, and we still have some cleanup to do from Hour 1. So um, we were talking at the end of the hour about summer jobs and summer jobs that um, maybe we had as teenagers. I had a summer job uh, serving as a quote-unquote runner for a law firm in downtown Tampa. Um, That helped me confirm that although there were lots of things about law I was interested in, the um, the administrative acumen that one needs to do that job is something I do not possess, nor did I imagine I would develop. And if you were to see my office now, you would be like, well, clearly no administrative uh, desire in her heart. Um, kind of a kind of a clutter and chaos creator. So, um, but there you go. That was a summer job I had. I also scooped ice cream one summer. And so I'm really good. I'm, that's actually something I'm really proficient at. But I do find that I'm I'm good at doing it if there's like the really big thing of ice cream, like a legit ice cream store size ice cream container. I'm not as good dipping ice cream out of, you know, a regular grocery store size ice cream container. So, you know, bring on the giant tubs of ice cream if you want me to be your scooper. So there you go. Um, Jennifer says that her dad um, did both the walking of the beans and the detasseling of the corn um, growing up in North Dakota. And she goes on to say, okay, what your cousins were doing in Indiana, (laughs) which I described as topping the corn, she said it's detasseling the plants so that they can only be pollinated by other plants in order to produce hybrid seed. Mm-hmm. There you go. I don't even I don't even know what that means, but that's thrilling. That thrills my heart. Okay, now someone can um, you know <clears throat> can dig in a little further. Mary says that when she was fourteen, she participated in um, a a program um, that was like doing a study, and so in in this program, like she learned how to develop film and make prints in a dark room. Um, do literature searches in medical articles, so much more. And so I, I asked her, well, did that help you affirm your calling? And she says, yes. I later worked with the health department. Um, I was an assistant in an oncology unit. Um, so, you know, right, everything from being a candy striper to a nursing assistant to developing um, her current career in pediatric as a pediatric research nurse um, with specialty skills in IV therapy. So there you go. A summer job that led to... Um, you know, honing in on uh, on a calling. Anne says her summer job from 13 to 17 was a water safety aide, which is a swimming lessons assistant. We come up with very, very cool titles for things, right? Um, lifeguard, right? Mm-hmm, lifeguard. Um, all right, and today she says, I'm going to go be a prayer partner at VBS at our church. We're expecting 350 young people to attend. Uh, well, let's raise prayers up for that as well. Wonderful, um, wonderful opportunities out there today. People giving of themselves 
yeah, on and on and on. All right, everybody who's got a farm story, um, yeah, you, you're you like, summer job? Yeah, we work all the time, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Like, that, right? You're, you're on the farm. You're working. I appreciate that, so thank you so much. Um, here was a headline this morning that caught my attention, and I thought, I'm just, I'm going to lift it up so that we can think about how the world talks about things and how we cannot freak out about how the world talks about things and still enter into the conversation. So I'm going to I'm going to read the paragraph and then we're going to talk about it. So don't stop listening while I it's, it's only two sentences. They're a little bit long, but I'm going to read a two sentence paragraph so don't freak out, okay? Here's what the paragraph says. Carbon rich cosmic dust typically associated with more mature galaxies was detected within the first billion years after the big bang, much earlier than previously thought, according to a new paper published yesterday. Astronomers claim the findings, the latest enabled by the James Webb um, Space Telescope's ultra-sensitive hardware, may suggest a previously unknown mechanism driving the star formation in the early universe. Okay, so let me just say, um, okay, as a, as a believer, you know who set the stars in the sky. You know who formed the universe. You know who breathed life into human flesh. Like, you know these things. So you don't need to freak out when science discovers something about the formation of the universe. Even though, this will be an even though, even though um, they're describing something, you know, that they believe happened in the first billion years after the Big Bang versus some other time period that they once imagined it happened. Science is a process of discovery, and we don't need to be afraid of it. We know, we know the origin of all of it. Um, we know him personally. We know him eternally. So we don't need to panic, and we don't need to become um, defensive when people are along this path of the process of discovery. Let's be as filled with awe as everyone else is, at the pictures coming from the James Webb Space Telescope. I don't know if you've seen them, but they are extraordinary. And they are leading people to wonder. And where do we know wonder ultimately leads? It leads to the one who is wonderful. And so let's not be afraid. Let's not be afraid of, um, uh, of conversations about 14 billion year old starlight. Um, the stars were set in their places um, and they glow with the light with which they glow because God made them that way. And I don't have to fear that and I don't have to be defensive about that. We don't have anything to be afraid of when we're talking about science. There are times when we have to be patient for science to catch up and arrive at, um, at the truths that we already know from Scripture. Um, the Bible's not intended to be a quote-unquote science textbook, but it will lead you into all truth, capital T. So you can, uh, you can revel with others in all that, uh, that the universe has to offer, even the twinkling stars. We're going to talk next with Pastor Chris Johnson. Um, we're going to talk about the orphan crisis around the world, and we're going to talk about orphan care and your orphan care story. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
What a joy to uh, have welcome have uh, join us today, Chris Johnson. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you today, Carmen? I'm fantastic. You can find what we're going to be talking about at lifelinechild.org. Um, so, Chris, you are a pastor. You are a husband. You are a dad. You're now a granddad. Um, yeah, I, I maybe let's start with this. What is your orphan care story? Oh, wow. Well, it's it's a story of God's grace and mercy and work in my life, for sure. Um, just to give you the, the kind of a quick rundown, grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor, so I'm a PK, and then became a pastor myself. And, uh, you know, I'm sad to say that for many years, the orphan care crisis was not on my radar. Uh, really, you know, knew of verses that talked about the orphan and the widow and the stranger and those things, but didn't really have it. It was not really personal in my life until the Lord called my wife out of playing the church in central Florida. And about two weeks after playing that church, we had a family that showed up that had a bunch of kids that didn't match. And we kind of said, what's going on? Found out they were engaged in foster care. They had adopted as well. And the Lord began to do a work in our hearts and our church, just kind of a, a crazy situation where um, we just kind of said, hey, we don't we don't know a lot, but we're going to dig into this issue and started kind of studying it from God's perspective, was preaching a sermon series through James and got the James 127. And Really, as I dug deeply into that verse to really understand what God was saying there, uh, the Lord began to do a work in my heart and to work in my wife's heart as well. And uh, so we stepped into the space and became foster parents. Um, we had three biological daughters at the time, had no desire to adopt. We were really passionate about seeing families reunified and re- family restoration. And we believe God is a God of restoration and reconciliation. And so uh, we became passionate about that. And so we also began to lead our church kind of in the same understanding and recognizing that there were uh, children and families that were broken in our community that needed the hope of the gospel. And so our church just kind of stepped up. And at one point, we had a little over a third of the families in our church that were foster or adoptive families. Uh, so we really just kind of said, hey, how can we allow God to use us to care for hurting children, broken families? And we started seeing birth parents come to know the Lord, families restored. But then we also started hearing about children whose parents' rights had already been terminated that needed a forever family. And so through that, God began to stir our hearts about adoption. And uh, my wife and I ended up adopting seven children out of foster care. Uh, Five of those were teenagers that were on the verge of aging out of the foster care system. And uh, we just didn't want to see those kids stepping into their adulthood and forever without the support of a family. And so so that's kind of the, the personal side of that. We began uh, doing a lot of work, kind of engaging with our state program there in Florida and, and some of our local agencies to try to figure out how to help. We we believe, I believe strongly that God's word is clear, that that his, his plan for the orphan, for the vulnerable, uh, is to use his church to get the gospel to them. And so we started trying to say, hey, how, how can we figure out how to do that better as a church? But then also, how can we help lead other churches to engage um, and so we started doing a lot of work to just really kind of step into that space. Also helping the government kind of understand the role of the church and how churches are here to help. And we, we really are set up well to, to care for vulnerable populations, vulnerable communities. Um, and so that really kind of led to uh, doing a lot more speaking and engaging around that, ultimately feeling like God was calling us full time into stepping up into calling the church to action. And so um, the Lord opened the door for us to serve kind of in a government role for a couple of years uh, in kind of leadership in the state of Kentucky, uh, working with the governor there, and then also being able to do something on the national things on the national level through HHS and the National Governor Association. 
Um, and then eventually found my way to Lifeline Children's Services, where I get to serve now, uh, get to just work full time and helping to, to call the church to action, but then also helping government understand uh, how that we as a church and government can work together for the good, for the well-being of, of broken children and families. I'm so thankful for you. Mm. I'm so I'm well, so thankful I, for you. Yeah, I just want to I, I just want to pause and I just want to acknowledge the way God um, has brought you to this place and the very, very particular experiences you've had along the way and the lives that have been transformed and saved um, mm. and the churches that have been awakened to a calling and, you know, just. So thank you. I'm thankful for you. I know you're going to give, you're going to point directly to the Lord and you're going to give him all the glory. And that's absolutely sure. right. But I also want to be grateful and thankful that you are allowing yourself to be used in this way. And so, um, so yeah, so thank you. Um, well, let's you know, Carmen, a- when we, when we stepped into this space, we were, you know, thinking kind of that mindset, Hey, we're going to help these kids and we're going to help these families. And even, even from a church perspective, it's like, hey, how can we, you know, we as a church do this? But what we have seen so clearly is that by stepping into really what God has called us to do, if our faith is real, this is a natural outflow of a faith that is real, is what is what James says. And so when we do that, it's such a picture of what God has done for us that, that yes, it helps others, but it truly transforms us. Um, I tell pastors all the time, I didn't have to sit up on Saturday nights trying to think of illustrations of life change. When you're engaging mm-hmm with the most vulnerable and doing what God's called you to do. Uh, God transforms lives. He He is the one that does the work. And he, and he changes the lives of the kids and the families you're serving, but he also changes your life. And I'm so thankful for the, the children that he's brought into our family and uh, those that we get to call our own now that are that are faithfully serving him as well. And um, so it's really just, it's an honor and privilege to be used of him in any way. I say all the time, we're just an ordinary family. It's being used by an extraordinary God. And that really is the case. Amen. We're going to continue our conversation with Chris Johnson here in just a moment. I know you're going to already want to be checking out more at lifelinechild.org. When we come back, um, Chris is going to help us understand the reality of those who are unadopted, and we're going to check out Lifeline's unadopted ministry. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Pastor Chris Johnson. He serves with Lifeline Children's Services. You can find them at LifelineChild.org. Um. Chris, talk with us about the orphan crisis from the perspective of Lifeline's unadopted ministry. Yeah, Carmen, the, the UNICEF tells us that there are approximately between 140 and 150 million orphaned and vulnerable children around the world. Um, that number is so hard for us to wrap our minds around. And um, we certainly believe strongly that that one of the ways to 
reach those children with the gospel and care well for those children is through international adoption. And so um, we Lifeline currently has programs in, in 20 different countries where uh, we are recruiting Christian missional families that will bring these children into their home to care well for them and point them to the hope of, of Christ and the gospel. But the, the reality is of that 140 to 150 million children, less than half of 1%, so less than 0.5% of those children will ever even have the opportunity to be adopted. And, and so really as a ministry, we began to really kind of dig in to say, how do we care well for those other children? And, and of course we know that the hope for the world is, is, is God's church, just the gospel through his church. And so we, in 2009, we began to kind of recognize, okay, the reality is we can, we can keep, we're going to keep finding find families for children that need families but recognizing that so many of these children will never have the opportunity to be adopted, how can we engage the global church, uh, local churches in other countries, to care well for those orphaned and vulnerable children in their context? Um, these children, over 38,000 children every year are aging out of the foster care system, or excuse me, every day are aging out of whatever an orphanage or a foster care system in other countries. So around the world, it's just a crazy number of these kids that are stepping into um, sometimes adulthood. In some countries, it's as young as 12 or 13, that they're kind of being put out of the orphanage or put out of the home and, and kind of being left on their own. And so we said, hey, how do we, how do we, can we better equip and engage local churches in those contexts to care well for those children so that they can can wrap around them, support them. So even if these children are not able to have a forever family in the traditional sense that we think of, that they'll view that local churches in their community as their family. Uh, so we've been partnering with different organizations and different churches for uh, a number of years now. We, we've got partners in over 20 countries right now where we are, uh, again, just equipping and resourcing those churches and those organizations to care well uh, for those children around the world. The numbers are staggering. Um, I'm wondering if you have, um, you know, it, it. you know this, it helps to bring one story into view so we can see and understand. Maybe you could introduce us to, you know, one young person you know who has aged out of whatever the foster care system looks like in a particular nation and and then how they have found not only the family of faith, but their forever family in the context of the church. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the key places that we've been able to see this happen is in the country of Uganda. Uh, there's a church there, King Jesus Church, uh, that we've partnered with for a number of years and and have helped bridge the gap. They even have some churches here in the states that they're partnering with that are continuing to resource them. And um, really, this this church has a heart for particularly blind and deaf children uh, in their community who have who have literally just been discarded. Um, and it's been amazing just to see how. Uh, this Pastor Raphael, who is there at, at King Jesus Church, they have opened up their facilities and, and we've been able to help even kind of grow their facilities somewhat where they've been able to bring more children in, uh, these discarded kids that that are finding hope in Jesus. There's uh, one young man in particular that that came to the the, uh, the home there. His family had discarded him, pushed him aside, and he had no place to turn. And uh, we have some some partners here in the States that kind of went over and kind of really fell in love with him as well. And so uh, he really became a part of that church. He gave his life to Christ, was able to come and visit here for a little while. But now he's back there and he now uh, is serving other children in that community and in that church. And so his life has been completely transformed by the gospel. And now he is able to give back and serve some of the same uh, young people that are in the same situation that he found himself in not too long ago 
go. And so it's it's just been amazing to see how how the gospel has uh, has just really changed things there in Uganda. We just love that. I'm going to encourage folks to check out what is happening at one child. Oh, it's not one child. I got one child on my mind as well. Lifeline child. Um, when we talk about um, what God is doing um, at Lifeline Child, one of the things that is uh, is happening is their Run for One. It's a 5K fundraiser on September the 9th. You can check that out um, at one, at lifelinechild.org as well. Um, Chris, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the, the way you and your family um, are allowing God to use you. Thank you for the stories of transformation that you bring to us um, um, please know that you're going to be uh, you're going to be in our prayers and thank you for the equipping that you're offering um, through through lifeline as well yeah thanks so much Carmen thanks for shining a light on this issue and and helping us engage the the body of Christ in, in manifesting the gospel of vulnerable children absolutely absolutely global orphan care is a subject that you're going to want to get read in on you can do that at lifelinechild.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. You think it's confusing to be a middle school girl today? I'm sure it's equally confusing to be a middle school boy, but I want to talk to middle school girls and their moms and their grandmas, their aunts, their teachers, their neighbors, their coaches. You got a middle school girl in your life. She's wondering right now what God thinks about her. She's wondering um, if God's on her side, or really what side of things God's on. She experiences rejection and doesn't know how to process that. She wants to know what real love looks like. She wants to know what happens and what to do if she messes up. She wonders if everybody feels more beautiful than she feels. She wants to know, she needs to know God and the amazing generosity of his grace. But it's going to require somebody to not only tell her, but show her and to walk with her to that seat that is saved for her at the table of fellowship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the novel... The novel is This Seat's Saved, and Heather Hollerman is going to join us next um, to, to talk uh, with us about her own experience as a 12-year-old girl, the experience of this 12-year-old girl um, who is the main character of This Seat's Saved, and how we walk with middle school girls today um, into the questions they're really asking and then help them arrive at the place of truth and the place of faith. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Heather Hollerman is a, an associate teaching professor at Penn State. She is a mom. Um, she... I mean, she's got more things going on than than we could actually ever list, but she's some wonderful books. And today we're going to talk with her about um, her brand new book, which is a novel, which is just a super fun way to approach conversations today. Um, so, Heather, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hello, Carmen. I'm so excited about this conversation. 
Yeah. So I, um, uh, yeah, I, I, every person who reads this book, whoever went to middle school is going to totally identify with, um, with this conversation and what we're talking about. So maybe let's just jump right in. Introduce us to Alita Brown. Well, Alita Brown is a rising seventh grader, and she is someone who is what I call a late bloomer. Her friends are growing up faster than she is. Her parents don't let her have social media, and she doesn't care about clothes or any of the things she's supposed to care about starting middle school. And what happens is, is she quickly realizes that she doesn't have a seat at the popular table. So this is a book that journeys alongside this little girl about how is she going to deal with that rejection how is she going to build a joyful, meaningful life, even when she doesn't have a seat at the popular table? I think there's no question as a, um, you know, as an adult, we can look back at our own lives and we can be like, yeah, I, I remember that day. I remember yes. that feeling. Um, you remember that day and you remember that feeling. I do. In fact, it was a wound that I carried all the way up until I was almost 40 years old. I remember the mm. exact moment when my two best friends, they just grew up faster than I did. You know, they were into boys and makeup and they were really popular, athletic, beautiful. You know, they had money. And I was just, you know, Carmen, I was reading grammar books for fun. I had no choice. <laughs> there was no hope for me. I was not going to be popular. And that rejection just stayed with me. Now, a lot of people would think that something like not having a seat at the popular table in middle school isn't a big deal. It's not, you know, it doesn't count as adversity or trauma, but in the mind of a young person, it really does. That is an experience of rejection that women, and I know this because I speak to women, I talk all the time about what it means to fight for a seat at the table. Everyone can go back to that middle school moment when they realized, okay, I don't have a seat. So I remembered that. And it wasn't until I was nearly 40 years old that God used really Ephesians 2 and that image that I am already seated at the greatest table with the greatest king. It wasn't until almost 40 that I was healed from that middle school wound. It's a huge shift in perspective for, you know, us to be at the place where we recognize that any seat, any seat at the table with Jesus is the best seat in the house. I just want to be in the room. I mean, even if I only get to be a doorkeeper, right? Like I'm um, even if as close as I get is under the table, washing his feet, like, right, like the the best seat is is any seat um, at the Lord's table. And yeah, wow, that's good. Um, right. I mean, it is. It's the I mean, it, it, the the woman who comes to him and and, you know, and says, you know, crumbs from the crumbs from the king's table. You know, I mean, I let me let me just be a dog in the room. I mean, if that's as good as it gets, let, let me be right there. Um, wow. Be, any any seat in the at the lord's table is is a is the best seat in the house and um because we get to be in the house right i mean that's part of it it's i think part of the challenge that we're faced with heather is that we imagine that the way that the world values things is the value system in the banquet hall of the king right. and it's just not it's just an utterly different system of values and right and, right yeah so i love this i love um i love that you help us see ourselves and the challenges that we face, even as adults. Like, I I really appreciate that this really should be read by mothers and grandmothers with their tweens. Um, I, I know women who are my age who would absolutely benefit from reading this book because they never got over 
They never got past feeling left out in seventh grade. Right. And what happens is, is it builds such a, like you're exactly what you're saying, Carmen, it builds up this lie that you're living the wrong life. I hear young people tell me all the time and mostly because of TikTok and Instagram, you know, I'm living the wrong life. A better life is somewhere else. And the depression and the anxiety of just like what, you know, I don't have the things I don't have the money or the appearance or all the, you know, all the attention. So I'm living the wrong life. Well, what if children at an early age, we're talking 11 years old, began to realize, wait, there's a different way I can live. When you're seated at the greatest table with the greatest king, it's exactly like you said, I'm at the best table already. Now I take my eyes off myself. I enjoy the life God has given me. I'm exactly where I need to be. There are blessings for me in this day. And guess what? Now I can complete the good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do, which is what you see at the end of my novel. Yeah. So the novel is This Seat's Saved. And I know you're breathlessly waiting for me to say this if you're listening right now. We do have copies to give away. So you can text (laughs) the word book to 877-933-2484. Maybe you've just joined us here at Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you live in Missouri and you, you used to listen, your your radio station used to carry music and you're still trying to figure out why this lady is talking in the morning when people used to be singing. Well, it's because we want to bring the mind of Christ to bear on everything that's going on in life. And one of the ways that we do that is through conversations like this one. Um, and we do give things away from time to time. So uh, today it's copies of This Seat's Saved by Dr. Heather Holloman. And you can join that um, join that giveaway by texting the word book to 877-933-2484. Heather, um, introduce us to Mrs. Bergley and the essential role she plays in, in this novel. Well, she is an older lady that hires Alita to help her around the house. And what I love about this character is it is, like you said, the essential role of having a mentor. Because what I've learned about young people is they often don't like to talk to their parents necessarily. They, they for whatever reason, they need multiple older people speaking truth into their life. Even though by the end, she does have a great relationship with her mom and dad. It's really the voice of an older mentor. He's able to say, look, I went through this. Here's how I survived. Here's what you need to know about Jesus. So you're going to see a character that really does begin to trust Jesus for the first time because she had a mentor, an older person who was able to come alongside her and confirm what her parents had been trying to teach her all along. So what I love is this is a woman who I want to be when, I, when I'm a grandma. I want to be wise like this. I want to be someone who knows God's word, knows how to apply it appropriately, knows how to talk to young people in a way that's really winsome, just pouring out the wisdom that I have to all the young people around me. So you're going to love this character. And I do have grandmas in North Carolina are reading this for a book club, not only to reminisce about what life was like in the 50s, but to really challenge themselves as mentors in the community. All right, grandmas, if you're listening right now, um, this is for you. If you're a, if you're a mother, this is for you. Um, if you are 12 years old, this is for you. Here is um, here is one little paragraph, and this is Mrs. Bergley speaking into the life of Alita. Alita, take this advice. Put it in the middle of your heart. For the rest of your life, no matter what classroom, no matter what happens at a friend's house, no matter where you work or where you go, remember you are already seated with Christ, and he has a special place 
saved for you. The, the novel is This Seat's Saved, and we're going to continue our conversation with Heather Holloman in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. All right, we're talking with Dr. Heather Holloman. We could be talking about any range of things. I'm going to ask her in a moment what I should wear to a wedding in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania this weekend because she lives <laughs> in State College. Um, I uh, I want to know how this particular novel, This Seat Saved, maybe is connected back to her 2015 bestseller, Seated with Christ, Living Freely yes. in a Culture of Comparison. Um, we're talking about her novel, This Seat Saved, and it is... Um, it's really designed for the 12-year-old middle school girl, but that also means it's designed for every person who wants to speak into the life of middle school girls and is raising girls and loves girls like this is and and boys, I just recognize that we don't want to leave anybody out. This is about the tables we set, the tables we sit at, the seats we save and and ultimately the seat that we sit in. Um, seated with Christ. He's got a special place um, for you as well, and that comes from Ephesians chapter 2. So, Heather, um, the, I love the discussion questions. I love, um, love, love, love that on, on your website, and let me tell everybody this, if you go to heatherholloman.com, H-O-L-L-E-M-A, heatherholloman.com, um, and, and actually click on This Seat Saved, one of the resources that you can, you can have, you can just have this incredible 30-day devotional um, that's awesome. And it's 30 things that Heather has learned along the way um, that she pours into us. And this is a great 30-day devotional to do with a young woman in your life. Um, so I printed it out and I have a friend I intend to use it with um, because some of us missed learning these things along the way. And um, and it answers the questions that we're all asking, whatever your age and stage is, um, but particularly helpful for those of you that want to shepherd the heart of a young woman. Um, so, Heather, what's the connection between, you know, the, the non-novel form of this, um, Seated with Christ, and then this novelized conversation? Well, Seated with Christ, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison, was a book I wrote in 2015 where God really healed me from the jealousy of that wound that I had starting in middle school that I wasn't at the popular table. I made a list of all the ways I was fighting for a seat at the table. And when I realized that I was already seated at the best table with Jesus, he just healed my heart. And the three tables I wanted most of all were the three A's, appearance, affluence, and achievement. Meaning I thought I would have a seat if I were pretty, rich, And high, and high achieving, you know, don't we all, which means I can talk to you about what you should wear at this wedding in a second. <laughs> However, what happened was, is I was speaking all over, um, you know, all over at ladies retreats and so many women, they said, you know, I, I have been fighting for a seat at the table since middle school. And I would tell the story of my, of my daughter, Sarah, 
and how we helped her heal from that wound of not having a seat at the popular table using Ephesians 2. And what happened was Moody was like, look, my publisher Moody said, you know, we really need this book for young people. And I really thought carefully, like, what will most reach the heart of a young person? And rather than writing another nonfiction book for this age, I thought, you know what? I One of my best friends, Amy, came to faith through a novel. And my agent came to faith through a novel. And I thought, okay, you know what? I want to write this as a novel. And it was the right decision because I love the power of story to open up so many questions for young people. And I love it because little girls, you know, they're knocking at my door saying, you know, Mrs. Holloman, I love the story. Here's what I thought of, you know, what about this character? What's going to happen next? And so the power of story. So that's the connection. You're going to see a lot of truth that you read in Seated with Christ in this seat saved because Mrs. Bergley is giving those moments to Alita that that come straight from the things God revealed to me in Seated with Christ. One of my favorite is when Alita starts worrying about her appearance. Mrs. Bergley says, you know, when you're seated with Christ and you're adoring Jesus, you're going to radiate beauty. And that comes from Psalm 34. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And Alita remembers feeling ashamed when she's at a party where all the other girls have makeup and their hair done and she's wearing a sweatshirt and jeans and doesn't feel pretty. She's able to then remember, wait, I'm radiating the beauty of Christ wherever I am. So when you're at that wedding, Carmen, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. You're going to ra- you're going to radiate because you love Jesus. <laughs> And, and I'm going to say, you know, that, that we still worry about these things, don't we? We're still no, worry totally. about the party. Uh, no, yeah, my, you're gonna my sister beautiful. and I are sending my sister and I are sending pictures back and forth of like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, because, you know, well, first of all, she did something. My, we used to be dressed alike when we were little. And yes. let's just say I've always been more round than her. And um, so I never looked <laughs> I good guess. in them, like the matching outfits. And so yesterday she's like, well, let's just wear something matching. Ha ha ha. Right, it still goes on, like right, and then, and we're gonna have assigned seats, and so I will just tell you, I'm just glad to be in the room. I'm just glad to have a seat at the table. I'm gonna love whoever I'm seated with. It's gonna be really, really fun. Um, and uh, and not everyone in the room is gonna feel that way about their assigned seat, like right. right. So I just think that at every table, as we approach, there's something in this conversation for every moment of life and That's even right. at 50, you know right even at 55 so um i have another question for you that is completely disconnected from all of this let's do so it we're, like this is like you and i having real coffee in the morning and what i, I would really it. be asking you okay so you write curricula for the english department so i feel like you know what's out there in the world in terms of like a basic grammar for people who are studying the bible maybe for right. the first time so you are you asking me like what's how to is study the Bible? Is there anything out there? No, is there anything out there that's like that you would say, you know what, this is like basic, the most basic grammar. Cuz if you can't really t- do a word study in the Bible if you don't like understand the most basic of of like grammar principles. But it has to be simple. True. It can't be like a huge 7th grade introduction to grammar. That's too much. Right. Well, you know what I can do is on your website I can give you a free download of the little grammar book I wrote called How to Write with Flair. I can give it to your listeners for free. I wrote, literally Carmen, I wrote a book for my students because they were saying the same thing as seniors at Penn State. They would say, "Dr. H, you have to go back. I have no idea." 
like how to use a comma or a semicolon. And I love the strong verbs. So I had to teach them what the verb is. Because if you didn't grow up in like private school, you probably didn't have a good grammar curriculum. So after this interview, I will let you have the free download. It's called How to Write with Flair. And that will help you get acquainted. Plus, a lot of your listeners may have a book in them. The passion of my heart is to help people tell their stories. So maybe after you get the free download, your listeners will write a book. That is really helpful, too, because my journey with Ephesians 2 was noticing that seated is a past tense verb. Paul says we have been seated with Christ. And my question was, wait, right now already? What do you mean? I'm sitting right here. And Paul was in a Roman prison, and yet he pictured himself, you know, the Greek past tense verb means that it's already happened to us in part. So he says, fix your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, because you're you're there seated with him now in part. It's so cool, right? And so understanding the verb tense, even understanding what a verb is, maybe why your podcast is called The Verb with yes, Heather yes. Holman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So you're a, you're a lover of words and you're a lover of the way that words are used. And so I felt like you're the right person to ask. And now we're going to get how to write with flair as a downloadable resource. So um, I will turn around and get that uh, posted for you at myfaithradio.com. And then we'll also hook back to Heather's website as well, because I want everybody to um, to to be able to um, to get this incredible devotional that you've posted there again for free. It's such a that's such a blessing. So thank you. I love so that. much I, well, for it's, all of it's that. What I did with my girls the summer they were little. This was even before middle school. We did thirty days. We just did a little devotional in the morning, and their favorite one is where I say every rejection is God's protection. They lo- that is our family motto, Carmen, and that came out. Of, you'll find that in the devotional. Every rejection yeah, is God's protection because, you know, even now, even now, if I'm not invited to a certain party, I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself, God is sovereign. He's good. He loves me. There's a reason I'm not supposed to be there. Every rejection is God's protection. <laughs> So I say that in uh, like this cancel culture thing that we all you know like deal with sometimes <laughs> yes, today. Yes. I don't know about you, but I have been uninvited to some things, and that's the way that I describe that. When you know somebody's like, "Oh, you got canceled," I'm like, "No, no, no! I got uninvited." And trust me, I have been uninvited to more interesting things than this. Like I, so right. it's it's okay. God's got something else for me in that time, or maybe I just get to rest. I, now I don't have to travel, and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's it's all good. It's all good. Heather, what a delight. I just absolutely love um, the opportunity to talk with you. We don't have to wait until another book comes out. We can we can talk again soon. I would love to talk again soon because I think what you said is right. We have to deconstruct the whole value system that our kids are living in and, and rebuild up the new core values we want them to have. I love how you said that. And I love how you said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Doesn't matter. We're just grateful today that we're with Jesus. And, you know, it's yeah. like what Johnny Erickson Tata said. She, yeah, she said, I'd rather be seated in this wheelchair knowing Jesus mm than be given a chance to walk without him. So Mm. I'd rather be with Jesus having a bad day than having the best day of my life without him, you know? Amen. Amen. I think we ought to put that on some sort of, I don't know, thing. Heather. Yeah, I think um, Dana Gresh said that better. Other um, other writers have said that better. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much. Um, all right, that's Dr. Heather Holloman. You want to check out everything she's got for you at heatherholloman.com. Um, if you click on um, the This Seat's Saved page on her website, then you get the downloadable um, free uh, devotional as well, and I just love that. Hey, we're giving away copies today. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.